on the Aggie Sports Network. From Learfield, from Old Chicago, welcome to the Coach Odom Show. Brought to you by Old Chicago, home of the Aggies Coaches Show. SC Needham Jewelers, where Utah gets engaged. America First Credit Union, financial solutions for every need. Larry H. Miller Dealerships, driven by you and by Stokes. Stokes Trucking, doing the right thing since 1979. Now, the Coach Odom Show. Here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerrard. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the Ryan Odom Coaches Show. Coach Odom will join us coming up here in just a moment. Practice going a little long today, but greetings from old Chicago. Excited to be here tonight in what should be a fun show, talking about uh, one of the more dramatic victories that we've seen at Utah State in quite some time. Come from behind performance by this Utah State team as Utah State down by 17 early in the second half. Cut it down, keep cutting, 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 get it all the way down, and then take a late lead. Give up a three before the end of regulation and then get the W down in overtime. But what an impressive performance in the pit with Utah State getting this done and certainly not an easy place to play. That's one of the more uh, difficult venues in all of college basketball. And now that fans are back, that place was rocking and uh, to go in there and get that kind of win in that kind of adversity with that kind of uh, uh, that on the line with two really good players too. remember you got a New Mexico team that I know they're not having the season that they would have liked but you still have to take into consideration that's uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. heck of a player Eddie House's son uh, Jalen House a really good player that was a big signature win for Utah State as uh, the Aggies get set for a big one coming up uh, this week now Utah State will hit the road as we mentioned They'll hop on a plane tomorrow, and then on Wednesday, huge game against Colorado State. Colorado State was previously undefeated until they went to uh, San Diego State and got wrecked pretty good by the Aztecs, 79-49. to So you're going to have a cranky Colorado State bunch on your hands when Utah State goes to Fort Collins. That game coming up on Wednesday, and then the game on Saturday against Wyoming. Keep an eye on this one, folks. In kind of the world that we're living in right now, Wyoming – had to postpone their midweek game this week. They have not postponed the Saturday game yet, but Wyoming's very quietly having a nice season as well. But that could be a problem. And so I would certainly, if you're on Twitter, uh, make sure to uh, keep a tabs on that one because Wyoming is in a bit of a problem. They've had to pause their program due to COVID. And so there is a certain level of concern about that game coming up on Saturday with one game already being postponed. A little bit of news, though. On the reschedule front, Utah State had a game against Boise State get postponed. That game has now been rescheduled. So Boise State will come to Logan. That game will be on Thursday, January 20th. So at one point it looked like we uh, Utah State would lose that Boise State game. It has been rescheduled. was originally supposed to be back on January 4th, uh, but that game will be on January 20th at 7 o'clock. All right, uh, a lot to get to on the program. I want to revisit that game against New Mexico. And while we wait for Coach to uh, wrap up practice and come down here, I wanted to reset our conversation that we had with um, Justin Bean, who uh, obviously another double-double, 21 points, 10 rebounds, a crazy hard-fought victory. Here's our conversation with Justin Bean after that big, big win against New Mexico. What a game tonight. Utah State gets it done, 90-87. to down by as many as 17 points early in the second half with the Cardiac Kids. Get it done. Led by Justin Bean with 21 points. Justin Bean's kind enough to join us. 
Uh, boy, I tell you what, you know, that was a fun game. I know you don't want to do that again, but my goodness, Justin, you guys, uh, you guys found a way to get it done. No panic whatsoever. <laughs> no panic at all, Scotty. Yep. We're all calm, cool and collected. So no, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was obviously a great environment. I feel like every game we play at the pit, it's really close. And, and, uh, those fans are, are pretty crazy and, and very passionate. So we knew it was going to be close coming in. We just had to, to find a way to get a win and, Obviously, we got off to a slow start there and had to clean up some things, but I was proud of our guys for how we responded and, and obviously the coaching staff and everyone just told us we had to, to be tougher and, and more aggressive and play with a lot more passion, so I thought that's what we did. No, uh, I, what was the conversation like at halftime? Um, I mean, it was, it was obviously very humbling for the players, but, but Coach Odom obviously has a, a way of just getting through to us and, and not overreacting. I mean, he's very calm and poised and I thought he did a great job just, you know, getting onto us. Obviously there were times where we needed to, to, to be coached and, and, and honestly it was just something that we needed. So I thought we did a good job just responding to that. And, and he trusted us. He told us to just play the game and, and not overthink it and just be more aggressive. So it was pretty simple. When you're down by 17 points, uh, what, what's the mindset? Because obviously you can't get it all back at once. So you just have to be patient and say, hey, let's just get one stop at a time, one bucket at a time. Like, how do you have to act in a situation like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we know there's, there's no such thing as a 16-point basket. So we just knew that we had to just do like we did in practice. And, and Coach said, stop, score, stop, score. And that's just a drill we do where we just focus on one possession at a time, just getting stops and, and capitalizing. So I, I thought we attacked the rim a lot more there in the second half. And uh, obviously we, we got some fouls there and, um, kind of some some questionable calls, but but honestly, we I thought we did a good job just playing our game and playing for each other and just being connected that second half. I wasn't gonna, I won't ask you about any of those, but uh, but you do get the uh, you do get the W tonight. Uh, talk us through. Hey, I thought that last shot in regulation was going down. Did mm. it feel good going off your hand? It did. Yeah, no, that was that was a good play call by coach. We we practiced that a little bit just the last few days, and, and it felt good. It did. I thought it was going down. I thought it was going to be like a, a Kawhi Leonard in the yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals with the 76ers, but it wasn't. So it was, uh, it was a good look, though. It, it was. You know, and that's the thing. You guys had the lead. Uh, they hit the three. You're unable to get the shot going into overtime. There's a lot of times teams can just kind of – it, it kind of deflates them going into overtime – but you guys really stepped up. I mean, what was the conversation like going into OT? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we a lot of us thought the Stevens bucket counted, and um, and so we before the, the the other play call, and so we just had to had to remain focused. There was a lot going on. Uh, the fans were coming at us and, and yelling, and just it was super loud. But we just had to, to focus in. And I thought our our huddles, you know, late in overtime, we weren't doing that much in the first half, but that helped us stay connected as a team. And then coach just said, you know, just, just one possession at a time, um, play together, and, um, and I couldn't be more proud of our guys. And, and how about Trevin's free throws, man? Those are those are awesome. He's been working on that, you know, for the last few weeks, and, and uh, he knocked him down. So I was proud of him for that. I talked to we talked I talked to coach about that. And and here's the thing, you know, they, uh, obviously uh, Ryland leaves with the injury, and they immediately point and say, we want that guy. And it's a hostile yeah. environment. It's not an easy yeah. place to play. And mm-hmm. he just calmly said, I mean, it's not like, not like he even used the rim, man. He swished both of them. It was great. It was. No, it was great. I, honestly, I, I just, I knew Trevor was going to make him. I, I really did. I genuinely thought that he was going to come in. And, and we just told him right before he stepped up, man, we're just, we're at the spectrum. This is post-practice. 
we do a free throw game after practice a lot. And so that's what we kept telling him. So whether he listened to that or not, or I don't know what he was thinking about, but he knocked him in. So I was proud of him. Well, you end the game. Uh, Brock Miller doesn't play. Horvath fouls out. Ryland Jones has to leave the game. And, and to, be, to still be able to rally and win this game, uh, Justin, I think that really says a lot about who this team is. You, you said it, man. You said it, Scotty. I think this team has really had a lot of adversity this year. Um, and obviously, we didn't start conference how we wanted to. So we felt like this was a must win for us. And to be able to come back like that and respond in a hostile environment and, and have guys play big and step up like they did with some guys out, it was, it was huge. Well, hey, enjoy the uh, plane ride home. you got a big one coming up next week against Colorado State. Uh, but uh, congrats yep. and celebrate this one, my friend. Thank you, Scotty. Appreciate it. Go Aggies. We'll see you later. That is uh, Justin Bean, our conversation with him after the game as Utah State gets a really impressive overtime, emotional. I mean, let's be honest. We're here at Old Chicago. How many of you uh, gave Utah State much of a chance there at, uh, at halftime? I don't know if there's a lot of people that raise their hand right now, uh, but this is a team that showed a lot of fight, showed uh, a lot of moxie to get back into this game, and and you kind of knew. We talked a little bit about it at halftime in terms of there's going to be a moment here in the second half where this team's really going to have to fight and show a little identity, and they did that. And that's what was really cool to see because this is not an easy place to play. This is a, a very difficult arena, one of the more difficult ones in all of college basketball. And for Utah State, to rise up in a situation like that when they're not shooting the ball well, when New Mexico shot the lights out, what's uh, I want to say 10 of 13 shooting uh, threes in the uh, first half. You've got a guy uh, in Javante Johnson who had not missed a three in the first half. So you've got all this adversity working against you, and to try to find a way to come back and win and have the poise and composure to do that really shows a lot about this team. Not just uh, not just the players, but also, also the coaching staff. You heard Justin Bean talk about what it took to make sure that the composure was there in the second half to make sure that you got themselves in a spot where they felt comfortable to uh, to really play their game. And the adjustments, too, and when Coach gets here, we'll talk to him about some of the adjustments made, in particular switching to a zone. I thought that was a really impressive moment there in the second half where Utah State threw that zone at New Mexico, and that's not something Utah State had done. You've, we've seen it in glimpses from time to time, Utah State throw that zone out there. Uh, but this was one where... The Aggies really went to it, and it really threw New Mexico kind of off their game. And you could tell it took uh, away a lot of the good ball movement that New Mexico had and put them into more of an isolation type of game, uh, something that they weren't particularly good at. And it left a lot of those uh, wide-open three-point shots that they were getting in the first half eliminated a lot of those as well. As we mentioned, two games coming up. You've got Colorado State. Uh, the Rams certainly have gotten off to a great start of the season. They've got some really great signature wins so far this year they've got good wins against Creighton uh they've got a win against St. Mary's remember they played St. Mary's right after Utah State played St. Mary's and they beat uh, the Gales 74 to 58 and got a come from behind win against Mississippi State uh they've done a lot of really good things here to start the season unfortunately San Diego State got a hold of them and the Aztecs did what well the Aztecs do to a lot of teams and uh, they got the win 79 49 so now the Aggies head to Fort Collins. That game will be on Wednesday night, and Utah State will try to find a way to uh, go there and get some get a big win. Remember, Utah State did not have to play there last year. Uh, Colorado State came to Logan for two games, back-to-back games, in which Utah State won the first and, and lost the second. And then the rubber match was down in Las Vegas when the Aggies ran Colorado State pretty much off the court 
in the Mountain West Conference semifinals. This is a matchup. You can tell this is a Colorado State team that's been waiting for this game for a long, long time. They've been kind of holding, and, and what, how they've really built this team has been really impressive for Nico Medved. But you look at how they built, and they got young, and they went to freshman David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens a couple years ago and then just kind of hung in there with them. They were great players immediately, and now they're juniors, and they have a lot of continuity. you got Adam Thistlewood, who I think has been there since 2013. Uh, you've got uh, Tanjay, who seems like he's been there forever. Dyshawn Thomas, who's been there forever. The experience on this team. This is one of the most experienced teams in all of college basketball, uh, and their ability to really flex that kind of experience, that kind of history, and that kind of know-how is really going to create some problems for a lot of teams they play. Utah State, uh, we'll uh, hopefully get an update on Ryland Jones coming up here a little bit later on. Justin Bean was a little beat up. Uh, it's it, it, You get to that point in the season where there's a lot of guys dealing with some injuries, but certainly Ryland Jones taking that big hit uh, near the end of that game. And how about Utah State with Brandon Horvath out due to foul trouble? You've got uh, Ryland Jones out for the final couple minutes of that game because of uh, the injury. Brock Miller didn't play at all in that game last night or uh, two nights ago, and yet he still found a way to overcome a 17-point deficit. Really shows a lot of who this team is. And probably, and we talked about this in the postgame and mentioned it with Justin Bean as well, how great were those free throws down the stretch in a critical moment. Utah State's down one, and Ryland Jones leaves the game to an injury on and needs to be shooting free throws. If you're not out there, if you're not capable of shooting free throws, the other team gets to choose who's going to shoot them. And uh, they went directly to Trevin Dorius. And Trevin Dorius calmly gets up there, bam, bam, hits both of them. And just like that, Utah State is uh, gets out of there with the victory. All right, you're listening to the Ryan Odom Coaches Show. We'll continue to get you ready for uh, – tip off of the game coming up on Wednesday. Uh, also, we'll have a chance to uh, chat uh, with the assistant coaching staff as well. It's all straight ahead. You're listening to Aggie Basketball. It's the Ryan Odom Coaches Show from Learfield. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Ryan Odom Coaches Show. Coach Odom will join us coming up here in just a moment. Uh, a lot to get to on the program as we get you ready for what will be a huge game coming up against Colorado State. Joining us on the phone, Coach Matt Henry, doing some of the game prep, getting you ready for Colorado State. Coach, how are you? Scotty, I'm well. Thanks for having me. Hey, excited to be able to chat with you on the show. Looking forward to kind of breaking this game down. But before we look ahead to the Rams, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen uh, or uh, kind of recapping a, a crazy game against New Mexico. This team's got a lot of fight. Doesn't have a lot of quit in it, and you guys put that on display there in the second half. No, the, the guys really did. It was it was neat. To, um, it was exhausting, but it was neat. I, I think it took them a half to adjust to you not being in the building. Um, <laughs> once they realized that you weren't going to show up and save the day, um, they got their act together and played really well. I mean, credit to New Mexico State for coming out and um, punching us. You know, and, and, and they hadn't played since January 1st. We hadn't played since obviously the 28th, 29th, rather. Um, so, um, you know, they came and they made a lot of shots. They, they fed off the, the first, I think it was the first uh, Mountain West game in the pit in 600 and some days, and, and they were ready, and, and we weren't. Um, but fortunately, the guys kind of got going there, and Coach got them going to halftime, and really different second half. Was that your first uh, trip into the pit? 
that was my first trip into the pit. Yeah, it was as somebody said to me. Um, one of our players said at the shoot around, like pretty cool in the place where Jimmy V won the national championship. Um, so that was my first trip. Well, it's interesting because going down the stretch, you had Ryland Jones out with an injury. Brock Miller didn't play. Uh, Brandon Horvath was out with fouls. And for this team to be able to rally, find a way to come back and, and get the game into overtime and then win, I, I just it really shows a lot of, of who this team is and the moxie of this team. Yeah, I mean, that part was great. And it's something we can, we can um, pull from as the season goes forward, right? We've been behind in a few games. We haven't been behind like that. Um, and come back and won. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, depth is something I think that we, we have thought we've had, and certainly early in the year, and then, you know, things start happening, right? A guy doesn't play as well as you'd think, as well as he would think he would. You get an injury or two, and all of a sudden the depth starts to, to disappear. But Max Shulga was really good. Um, Trevin Dorius was really good. And Sean, who's, you know, he, he was injured, he came back, he got injured again. Sean's a really good player. And um, all those guys are, and they came in and, and really made key contributions. And, and also credit to R.J. Idlerock has not played as well as he's capable of, and that was the first time where I think in a while we saw an R.J. Idlerock performance. How about those two free throws from Trevin Dorius? I loved seeing him step up and knock those down. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, as soon as you, you see Ryland down, you kind of look out on the court and you look like, who are they going to pick, right? They, they changed yeah. that rule on eight, eight or ten years ago where a non-intentional foul and the guy can't continue, the other coach gets to choose because people were gaming the system. Um, obviously, we weren't, right? Ryland's our best free throw shooter. We want him at the line. Now we can't have him. And, you know, coach goes over and attends to him. The coach comes over to us and, and I, you know, I say, coach, you know, if we call a timeout, Ryland can still shoot him. And he goes, no, he can't. And coach, no, if we, we call a timeout, we can, we can keep Ryland in the game and he can still shoot him. And coach says, he's like, what I'm telling you is Ryland can't shoot these free throws. Um, he was pretty banged up. So um, we all know they're going to pick Trevin. Trevin knows they're going to pick Trevin. And, you know, Trevin's free throw percentage in games is, does not belie how good of a free throw shooter he is. If you say, Trev, come on, let's, let's work on your free throws. You haven't shot him all in game. He'll come out and he'll hit. Nine and nine out of ten. He'll hit ten in a row. He's, he's got great touches for whatever reason. He hasn't been able to get a rhythm of confidence in those situations, and he he, he certainly came up huge, right? And it was so awesome to see. What uh, you guys switched to the zone there in the second half, and you got a, a, a few really good defensive possessions out of that. You guys don't play a lot. How impressed were you with your ability to be able to execute that at a high level? At, you know, in the middle of a game. Yeah, it, you know, um, it was great, and it's something we've, we, we work on and we haven't done a ton of, and sometimes desperation can force you into trying some things. And um, I think, you know, Coach said this to the team after the game was, you know, the, the, the number of stops or the points we conceded in the zone may not be fully representative of the impact it had on the game. And that's that it broke their rhythm, right? They were clearly in rhythm in the first half. Um, they were getting shots that they wanted. Um, their best players were creating shots for, for other people. Their best players were scoring a little bit. Um, and, and just by going to the zone, you know, first possession in the second half and then mixing it in, it, it, it did break their rhythm. Um, and, it, and then it allowed us to just kind of um, give them a few different looks. So uh, it, it was really helpful. And we've known we've had that ability. We've tried to grow into it. And, you know, it'll be it's nice to know, like I said, we've, we've had this experience now. We can draw on that the rest of the year. Matt Henry, assistant coach, uh, joining us right here on the uh, Coach Odom uh, Coaches Show. 
you know, one thing in this day and age in college basketball, you don't see a lot of guys sticking around and playing uh, for teams for a long time. But you got two studs in Stevens and Roddy who have uh, been there. They're, they're in their third year at Colorado State. They built that team around them. I think Adam Thistlewood, it seems like he's been there for about six or seven years now. Uh, this is a, a really experienced Colorado State team. And when you build young and you keep guys to stick around, then you get teams like this, and this is a really good team you're playing. They are, right? They're really good, and I think you, you hit on it. What it is is they've been able to hit the ground running this season because of that experience. You know, obviously picked preseason number one by the Mountain West coaches. And, uh, you know, up until Saturday afternoon, they'd back that up. They were 11-0 and uh, with some very nice wins in non-conference and very decisive wins in, in some other games too, right? And it, it starts with, yeah, you can just see it when you watch them play. They've, they've kind of seen it all. Um, and, and they know where each other are going to be. They know where the ball should be. Um, they're, they're really hard to guard um, because of that. And it, and it starts with Roddy and Stevens. Um, those guys are their two leading scorers. They're also their two leading assist guys. You know, Stevens number one and Roddy number two. Um, and then, you know, they've, they've added a nice piece in Chandler Jacobs, number 13, who's a Division two transfer, so an older guy. Um, and he's been able to work his way in to play some crunch time minutes for him. Um, they've had some, some other guys get get better. Sean um, Jackson is one of those who's shooting the ball really well at center. Um, and, you know, they're playing 10 guys, and those, those two are, are massive, and then the other eight all contribute. Um, you know, and uh, obviously – uh, Saturday was tough for them playing at San Diego State. One, they, they kind of had three days' notice or two and a half days' notice to make that trip to San Diego State. It was their first true road game over the season for Colorado State. And they were going into a building where um, they come back from, I think it was 25 points down last year to win. Well, San Diego State was going to be ready, right? San Diego State was going to be fired up for that. And there were obviously fans this year, which there weren't last year. So they ran into a bit of a buzzsaw, but I don't think it should uh, – diminish any of the accomplishments they've had uh, thus far in the season. I don't think it's an, it's an indicator that, that they aren't still the, the, the pick, you know, the, the favorite to win the, the, the regular season championship. Roddy is such a, I mean, the guy was, a, you know, you'll hear this every broadcast, but a former football player and could have played uh, at, at power five level in football had he decided to go that route. He's a big body. He's strong and he draws a lot of fouls with the way he plays. How difficult is it to defend a guy like that with that kind of strength and uh, that kind of ability to get to the line? Yeah, and I think it's, it's, he's 60th in the country, I believe, in fouls drawn for 40 minutes. It's like 6.2, um, which is a, is a ton. And you said it, right? It's, it's the, the physicality and in combination with the versatility and the skill level because you know, we've got some, some big bodies. In, you know, Trevin and, and, and Shimon that, that we can put on a, on a big guy, but he's not a big guy, right? He's, he's shooting 42% from three. He's improved in that regard. He makes them off the bounce. He makes them off the catch, and he can drive it. So um, it's that versatility combined with the physicality that really creates mismatch problems. Um, and now, that being said, San Diego State switched a fair amount the other day and had some guards on him at times and able to help and, and, and figure it out. So, um, you know, there are ways to, um, to, to, to give him different looks. I wouldn't say there are ways to stop him. It, it, you know, he was, I think he was two points short of his average maybe against San Diego State. So, um, you know, he, he's a really talented player, and I think it's going to take uh, a lot of different people and a lot of it's going to take a five-man effort of guys in the court to try and slow him down 
Isaiah Stevens is he one of the uh, one of the more fast uh, faster guards that you you'll see this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, end to end, he is just so fast. Um, it's really, you know, and and, and it fast and still really good with the ball. I mean, he he, he had a play. Um, I think it was against St. Mary's, where like they set a ball screen for him. He, he split it by putting the ball between his legs and like spinning and then into a pull-up jump shot that he made. It was just like a really impressive play. And it was a combination kind of like Roddy, right? Like Roddy's got that strength, but the versatility. Um, Stevens has that speed, but he has ball skills with it um, that, that are really impressive. And I think they've done a, a really good job of cutting their turnovers down. And he has well as well. I think last year's is 3.1 turnovers a game, right? And that's a lot for anybody, you know, for a good guard. Um, and and, and sometimes you see that with, like, really fast guys, right? They're almost too fast for the ball. And this year I think he's cut it to, like, 1.4, 1.5. So he's cut it in half, and he's still got the ball in his hands as much as he did last year. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, that speed, and it sets the tempo for their transition game. Uh, it, it's a handful. Is some of the issues you guys had with offensive rebounding, was that due to maybe switching to that zone in the second half against New Mexico? Yeah. I, I, one, I, I think we told our guys, you know, New Mexico's a good, um, a good offensive rebounding team. They have a couple guys that are limited shooters, um, Saquon Singleton, Taryn Todd, but those guys crash really hard in the small forward spot. And, um, and, and, and Fork, Kuat, uh, and, um, and, and uh, Tover Allen, 21, kid who was at Salt Lake Community College last year. Those guys are really athletic and crash far. So we knew they were a good offensive rebounding team. The numbers that showed them to be about national average, but it felt like they were better than that. So we knew it was going to be an issue. And then you start to get into the zone. It certainly creates some issues. And also, like, those guards, even in man, they're putting so much pressure on you and forcing some rotations, right? In the first half, it forced rotations. They shot and made it. In the second half, they forced some rotations. We were a little bit better getting out of the rotation. But now you're a little bit scrambled and cross-matched when the shot goes up. So um, the defensive rebounding gets a little bit harder. Um, that being said, you know, our guys figured it out enough. There were a couple of really big – I mean, Justin had some great defensive rebounds, obviously, as he always does. Brandon had one late where he, like, he contested a pull-up from Mashburn at, like, 10 feet. And next thing you know, he's getting the rebound at the rim. It's making a multiple effort to get it. So, um, you'd like to keep them off entirely, but, you know, um, we figured out enough of them there. Um, and, and certainly, like, we'll live with a few offensive rebounds as long as it means we're making a miss the first shot. So I know you're a uh, you're kind of a stat nerd like I am a little bit, and uh, I thought I, I I'm curious to know if you'll find this amusing. You're not you were at one point almost dead last in the country in this, uh, but you're not quite. You're ranked 331st in a stat that you guys have nothing to do with whatsoever outside of maybe just. <laughs> I know where line. you're going. Do you know what it yeah. is? Free throw uh, free throw percentage of the opponents. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, even I know. Are- even teams that don't traditionally shoot it well from the free throw line for some reason have a good night against you guys. I know, right? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, come on. And, like, um, we, we got a couple good misses in the second half there the other night. Yeah. Um, Mashburn gets fouled on the three-point shot in the 1-3-1 where Bean just kind of had a, a little bit of overclose out on him. Um, he goes two of three. You know, he's an 80% guy. Um, uh, the big kid, Forsling, 
you know, Brandon fouls out on a, you know, a tough call on a, on a rebound and Forsling goes to the line, makes one or two. So um, a couple important ones there. Um, but those are the things, especially when things aren't going well, you're looking at the stats and you're just like, come on, right? Like, can't we get a miss? Um, and I think sometimes, like, it's felt like when you foul a lot, right, teams can get into a rhythm at the line and just, like, start making them. But we're a relatively low foul team. We're relatively low sending the opponent to the free throw line team. So it's, it's, it's that much more frustrating. It's, like, it's not like we're just putting the guy, guys in the line eight, ten times, you know, individually, and they're just getting into a rhythm and, and knocking down eight or nine. Um, it's been a tough beat, you know. So when you look ahead, uh, I, there was a game that got rescheduled. Boise State's actually going to come up on the 20th, so you're going to have essentially three games in uh, the span of uh, about a week, uh, the 18th, the 20th, and the 26th, which uh, considering Boise State's going to have three games in about uh, five days based on that, this is just kind of a weird year where you guys are, you, you know, the conference might say, hey, you're playing here, get ready, and you don't have a lot to do with it. Is it just – one of those years you just got to be fluid and be ready to move with anything, correct? Yeah, you know, it was coming back from Christmas break. Coach said to the guys, he's like, we're here again, right? And it's different because you know, there's not going to be these two-week shutdowns for an entire program. But we're here again where we told our team this at UMBC last year. I'm sure Craig and his staff told uh, Utah State last year the same thing, which is, the team that handles the adversity and the frustration of the stop and start nature of the season, you know, over the course of the year, they're going to be the team teams that are the best at the end of the year, right? They're going to be best prepared to whether it's win a conference tournament or, or win each game and win the regular season championship. That's part of it. Now having the mental toughness to kind of deal with these shutdowns. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we got word today that we were going to play, um, you know, we're playing at Fresno on Tuesday the 18th and turn around and play home the next night. You know, it's an, I think it's a, a 9 o'clock central tip in Fresno. Um, so we're thinking, oh, man, yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough turnaround. But then you look, and I think Boise plays the 18th, the 20th, the 22nd at San Diego State. Right, so that's on the Saturday. Then they play Tuesday. They only get a Wednesday game. So they, wow. get, they get Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday. And then they go from that Tuesday game to a Friday game. They don't have a Saturday game. So they have another two-day prep. So I think it ends up being like five games in 11 days for Boise on that. Now, Boise's been off for a long time, right? As you say, that's how it's going to happen to get these games in. Um, but, you're, you know, you're just going to have to adapt. And, and one thing, I know, we had a situation, a crazy conference, conference scheduling situation when I was at St. Peter's a few years ago where we, to start the year, got, got dealt um, not any cancellation or anything, five games in nine days. And we're looking at it and thinking, what? We're, we're, we're out of it before it even starts. How do you do that? Um, and we won four or five, and we ended up having uh, the best record in, in, in 30 years in the school. Um, part of it, we had a good team, but part of it is like, kids love to play, right? We all love to play, right? But that's why we get in. We don't, we don't necessarily get in these games to, to, to practice as much as as coach, it is important to you and players, you know, they have to enjoy it. But kids love to play. So if you're telling our kids, hey, you know, we're going to play on the 18th. We've already missed two home games. We're not going to play again until the 26th. They'd be like, ah, again? Well, now you're saying, hey, we're going to play on the 18th at Fresno. You're going to have to turn around and get ready for Boise at home on the 20th. They're going to say, awesome. You know, so I think that's an important thing to remember in all this is you're getting dealt hands that aren't normal is, hey, the kids are going to be ready for it, you know. Um, so 
that that's my positive spin on it, for whatever that's worth. I love it. Well, I, I, um, you know, you and I could talk for a while, and while we wait for Coach to get here, I, I just want to pick your brain on a couple more stats because yep. uh, I like I see the numbers, but I always like to chat and see why the numbers are. You guys are, according sure. to Ken Palm, number one in the country in assist to field goal made ratio. Um, yeah. And uh, but you're holding teams uh, to 345th. I mean, you know, teams aren't getting a lot of assists against you. So is that is, is that the way you play? Is that maybe just the style of teams that you're playing, or or what are you doing to force teams into uh, not sharing the ball as much as I'm sure they would like? Yeah, I mean, the first just you know our assisting the the, the um, baskets, it's awesome. Right, and it's it's I think something that we thought was possible in the summer of being a really good ball sharing team, um, and a really good ball movement moving team, and uh, and and I think it was our first scrimmage back against SMU way back in October. We came out of that and I was like, oh wow, like seventy percent of our baskets were assisted. That's awesome, and we've been able to maintain it. Um, I think it was only forty five percent of them were assisted against New Mexico. A little bit different game. They're really locking out on our shooters, and we're able to drive it a little bit. You know, rejects and pick and rolls and playing pick and rolls, get all those layups we got in the second half. But um, that's how, you know, that's where the game gets really fun, right? When you go play pickup yeah. um, or you're playing as a kid and your teammate comes down and he dribbles and he shoots it and nobody touches it, well, you know, okay, okay, once, tw- okay, twice. And then again, the third time that it's like, hey, I don't have to shoot it. I just want to touch it, right? I just want to be part of it. And, um, and I think all of our guys have channeled that idea of like, hey, I don't have to shoot it. I want to touch it. Uh, and we move the ball really well. And obviously, Ryan leads us an assist, and he, he kind of sets the tempo on that. But, um, you know, a guy like Justin Bean, who's been not necessarily, you know, I, I don't think this is a, 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 a controversial remark. He's not been at the, the center point of an offense previously in his career, right? There was Sam Merrill. There was Mimi. Um, there were a lot of really good players here the last few years. All of a sudden, Justin is, is getting the most shots, uh, and Justin's a big part of the offense. And you come out of games, and Justin – you know, three assists, zero turnovers, or four assists, you know. Um, he, you know, that's another big part of it, right? When your point guard does it and then your leading scorer does it, um, you got a chance to have a really a really good sharing team. Um, as far as the defensive end, like, I, I think it can be a little bit hit or miss for us. You know, sometimes um, we can be given up some of those and uh, assisted baskets, and you, know, you, you, you try and limit them, but, um, you know, it, it, it's it's – it can, it can, it's not always in your control, right? It can be a little bit yeah. difficult when you're, when you're getting beat. Well, Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks for your time, and uh, good catching up. We need to do this again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and I, um, I, I, I look forward to getting down there in person at some point on a, on a, on a coach's show night and, and spending some time. Love it, love it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate your time. All right, yeah. Hopefully, I, we, hopefully we can get you for two halves next game. Hey, I, I, I will be there. I, I got, uh, I'm out of the penalty box, so I, I fully All anticipate right. being there. I'm good. So All right, it. sounds good. All right. Right. Thanks Matt, so much. You got it. Matt Henry, assistant coach. Take a break, come back. Uh, Brandon Horvath is going to join us. Coming up next, you're listening to Aggie Basketball from Learfield.
All right, it's the Coach Odom Coaches Show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield. Joining us now, Brandon Horvath, kind enough to join us just after practice. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, good to catch up with you. Uh, that was emotional. That was a hard-fought game. Talk us through uh, what halftime was like and uh, how you guys were able to keep your composure there in the second half. Yeah, for sure. I think you summed it up good. It was definitely a roller coaster of emotions. Um, first half, we were just kind of, you know, still in the slump from the last game. And then at the end of the first half and then at halftime, coach and everyone, we kind of just said we got to come together and, you know, play a lot harder and be who we have been all year. And that's, just, you know, what our message was at halftime. And then we came out and we just, we just said we were going to play hard and play freed up. And that's, you know, came out with the victory. So it was good. Well, there's there's not a uh, you know there's not a 17 point bucket out there, so you know you got to take some time and get get it back. How hard is it to have that patience to know that you know it's gonna just chip away and chip away to get yourself back into that game? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's basically you know what we talked about at halftime. It's like you can't can't get it all back in one play. It's got to uh, go play by play, and you know some good things are gonna happen, and you know we know some bad things are gonna happen. So we just gotta stick together through it all, and you know. You know, like you said, stay patient. You know, good things will come. Haven't seen you guys play a lot of zone this year. Is it hard as a player when coach says we're going to throw this out in the second half, or did you guys feel prepared to be able to? Because you guys executed it really well. It seemed like. Yeah, we don't play it much, so you know, we had we had to make an adjustment, and we you know we we practiced it a good amount. So it's not like we're like it's like a brand new thing, and we're just very uncomfortable with it. But it definitely was new, and we had you know adjust on the fly and. You know, we got good enough guys to do it, so coach has trust in us, and we just went out and just played hard, like I said. How hard is it when uh, when when you hear that fifth whistle and you know you're done? I mean, I, I can't imagine the the uh, frustrated feelings. Uh, how hard is it to 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 finish that thing off sitting on the bench watching watching your guys out there? Yeah, obviously, you know, I wanted to be out there with my guys, but you know, things happen, and you know, I got to just stay present in the game, and I got to cheer my guys on from the sideline, even when you know. Question, some questionable calls were made, but, you know, it's just that got to stay with the team and it's all about winning, so. Well, you don't, you don't, you, you don't have to say it. I'll say it. I, I'm not buying that fifth one, but, uh, but it is what it is, I guess. But, uh, hey, you got a big Colorado State game coming up on Wednesday. What have you seen out of these guys on film, and what, what kind of game do you expect? Yes, sir, big game for us. Uh, very talented team, very fast-paced playing team, you know. They're preseason picks first for a reason. So we uh, we, well, we just watched them on them today, you know, game plan a little bit for them. And, you know, we've got to come out with that same intensity we had in the second half in New Mexico just and play throughout the whole way, and I think we'll be fine. Well, Brandon, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coach is right Coming here. up next, you got it. Coming up next, we'll catch up with Ryan Odom and uh, the head coach of the Utah State Aggies. Get you ready for Colorado State next. You're listening to Aggie Basketball from Learfield. All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Ryan Odom Coaches Show. We're live here at Old Chicago. Big thanks to everyone who came down and said hi. Joining us now, he's the head coach of the Utah State Aggies, Ryan Odom. Coach, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. 
We got a, uh, you and I had a chance to chat a little bit after that game uh, on Saturday, but an emotional game. Uh, now that you've had a couple days to decompress and, and look back on that, uh, just kind of talk us through the emotions in uh, one a game that I know a lot of Aggie fans are going to remember for a long time. Yeah, no question. Uh, obviously, we dug ourselves a hole and, and, uh, in that first half, and, and New Mexico was ready. You know, they did a really nice job. Um, you know, early in that game and throughout that half, especially later in the half, uh, to get, you know, that 15-point lead, you know, at halftime. I think that's what the, the, the spread was. But, uh, you know, they were just moving the ball. We were going after their two guards and, and trying to double them a little bit, and they were getting it out of the double really quickly and causing a lot of problems for us in our recoveries. And, um, you know, some were a little bit short on some guys that, you know, we know could shoot the ball, and, and that's, you know, certainly a learning experience for us uh you know we've got to be better in recognizing those um but at the same time you know i thought our, our leadership was great with being uh you know throughout the game um you know rylan was was magnificent i mean you go back through the game you know and and you think about all the big plays that happened throughout and you know the drama that existed you know within that game there were so many, so many huge plays that were made by Aggie players and uh, not just one guy. And so really proud of, of the effort. You know, we encouraged the guys to, at halftime to just not – I said, I don't even want you looking up at the scoreboard. Uh, I'm not worried about what the score is right now. Uh, we'll worry about it when we get ourselves in position. And, um, and so we just talked about getting, you know, quality shots and, and, and just playing more intentional, tough, hard-nosed defense. You're up against a Colorado State team that is certainly loaded, and it's it's one of the ways you love to build a team. You get good youngsters. Uh, they earn playing time early, and then they stick around and continue to develop. Uh, Roddy and Stevens, I remember them as freshmen, and they've stayed there and, and developed, and uh, it's a experienced, talented team that you're facing coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, no question. And well-coached, too. Nico's done a great job of – rebuilding you know that program and uh putting it in a position that it's in right now um you know obviously you know last year's team here at utah state you know ended their ncaa tournament you know potential there in the in the conference tournament and uh you know they did well obviously in the nit you know going going forward but um i know they, they've gotten off to an awesome start uh they have veteran players they 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 really know where they want to get the ball uh, on each possession. They move you around. Uh, they can score at the rim. They can obviously shoot the ball, you know, behind the arc um, at all positions. And they have some similarities to us in terms of that shooting ability and shooting in all five spots. Um, and, and they do a really good job, like I said, of getting the ball to Roddy in, in key positions. This team uh, had, obviously, some shooting struggles against Air Force. It kind of carried over into the first half as well. And it just kind of felt like eventually the dam was going to break, and, and it did there in the second half. What's a message to a team when, they, when they're when they having some struggles, uh, especially shooting from you on the three-point line, with a team that traditionally uh, this year has shot it, shot it well? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's getting the right shots, you know, and being confident in those shots. You know, I never want my guys to hesitate. I'm always, you know – uh, the type of coach that is, is is more lenient on things like that and and really empowering. Um, you know, I want I want to make sure that that our shooters you know feel confident 
And the, the reason they feel confident is because they work at it. You know, we do a ton of shooting drills in practice every day. And so they, I feel like they've earned the right to shoot it well in games. And the key is for us is finding those right ones and not settling for bad ones. And the timing of it, you know, of when we're shooting them, I think is really important as well. You know, and I thought our guys, as the game wore on, really began to, to figure out that we were going to be able to get inside the paint, you know, against them. And, you know, we really dominated, you know, in that in that fashion. And uh, our guys stuck to it. You know, they stuck to what was working for us in that second half. And, and we were able to pull out a, you know, a huge victory. Um, rare that you ever win a game when another team makes 17 threes on you. And, uh, you know, our guys figured it out. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Any update on Ryland? Yeah, I mean, he practiced today. Uh, he was out there not in contact practice, but in non-contact. Uh, he's feeling good. Um, you know, he's got the bruise in between the two ribs. Um, you know, and, and our doctors feel confident that, you know, that's what it is at this point. Um, I do think they're going to do an x-ray on it just to check and make sure. But he's feeling good. And uh, he'll go live contact tomorrow even though it'll be an abbreviated practice, obviously, the day before a game. Um, but he's, he's uh, scheduled to play for us, so we're excited about that. What's that old adage, takes a licking and keeps on ticking? That's one tough son of a gun you have on your hands. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it, it's amazing. It really is. Um, he's just an impressive young man and, and uh, just as tough as they come. And uh, he was huge in that game the other day. Yeah. You know, up until that moment, he had to come out. You know, I asked him, I said, do you want me to call timeout so you can shoot those free throws? He said, Coach, I can't lift my arm over, above my whatever. Um, and uh, and so Trevin stepped up and was huge in that moment, wasn't he? Yeah, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I thought uh, Stephen Ashworth was really impressive in his absence, too. He really was. Stephen was great. You know, it kind of led us to the end there. And, I would give RJ some credit as well. You know, RJ yeah. was tremendous in in uh, in his minutes, best game in an Aggie uniform so far for him. And not just because he scored; it was just he was running the court, he was defending, he was playing at a high level, uh, especially in that second half. Well, coach, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. We'll chat to, uh, coming up on pregame tomorrow or uh, coming up on Wednesday, but it's going to be a fun game for sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much. You got it. There you go. Ryan Odom, head coach of Utah State. Big one on Wednesday. It's the Aggies and the Rams from Fort Collins. Make sure to join us on these same network stations. Uh, enjoy the national championship game and uh, be back with us as uh, we'll have uh, Utah State basketball coming up on Wednesday right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield.